This time on a bonus episode of Chew Diligence. We're not just talking barbecue. We're talking the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. And it is the biggest party in the world on <laughs> Friday night. Right? Yeah. A lot of smoke being blown there. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Barbecue Hall of Famer and Kansas City Barbecue Society co-founder, Carolyn Wells. Fast forward 32 years, and we sanction about 500 contests worldwide. Wow. Have 20,000 members. Pitmaster Megan Day from booming barbecue business and competition team, Burnt Finger Barbecue. You realize that judge has a split second to make that decision, so you have to be on your A-game for every single bite. And Barbecue Hall of Famer Artie Davis, a.k.a. Remus Powers, PHB. What is a PHB, by the way? That's a doctor of barbecue philosophy. Absolutely. He started the world's largest barbecue sauce contest and wrote the judge's oath. At the American Royal, you'll have more than 400 judges. They all stand and take the oath. And so do we. I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. To objectively and subjectively evaluate. To objectively and subjectively evaluate each barbecue meat. Each barbecue meat that is presented. That is presented to my eyes. To my eyes. My nose. My nose. And my palate. And my palate. Welcome to this episode of Chew Diligence. I'm Lindsay Shively here with Jill Silva. Hey, Lindsay. Hey. I'm already hungry thinking about what we're talking about today. All things American Royal. Yes, absolutely. Salivating for barbecue. That is coming at you at a fast clip. September 14th, 15th, 16th. Yeah. Right. This this coming weekend. Um, We are, you know, Kansas City loves barbecue and loves the American Royal. You ask anybody, they know what the World Series of Barbecue is, but how much do they know about it? This is the biggest competition in the world for barbecue. 400 teams, more than seven countries, and we have a panel of experts here to guide you through if you really feel like you don't know as much as you should, which you probably don't, about the World Series of Barbecue. I don't even know enough. Same. I learn all the time. Guilty. Right? Absolutely. And that's why we're here. I'm really excited. Just talking talking with these folks before we get started, I've learned so much in five minutes before we started our podcast. So it's going to be good. We have the brain trust here, the barbecue <laughs> brain trust. So we're ready to roll. But first, but Lindsay, first, first what, did you, what did you eat this week? First, the food this week. Uh, I love ice cream and I'm six months pregnant, so we have ice cream for dinner <laughs> a lot. Uh, I kept seeing on Instagram uh, ice cream bay because they have this s'more thing that is massive and delicious so i went it has a flaming mallow they stick in there Whoa. graham cracker chocolate charcoal cone it looks like soft serve it's the way they mix graham cracker crumbs into the vanilla it's fantastic it was uh in the new maiden casey marketplace on the plaza oh really cool space all kinds of everybody has a little booth it reminded me of not quite a food hall but Kind of that vibe. Kind of that vibe. And, yeah. and we like that vibe. Yeah. Yum. But it was good. What okay. about you? Where where have you been eating? Uh, I had to get ready for barbecue. Met a historian friend uh, to talk a little bit about Henry Perry. Mm. And uh, we ate at Johnny's. And I had the Southern Pulled Pork Sandwich, which really is almost the Remus, named for one of our wonderful uh, brain trust people here, Artie <laughs> Davis. So I'm going to have to introduce you, Artie. You have a sandwich named for you at Johnny's. Oh, wow. Yes. It's an honor. Well, it, it is pulled pork, coleslaw, and pimento cheese. But, okay, so the Southern doesn't have the pimento cheese, and so no. I'm disappointed about I, that. I think you had to ask now. And uh, I thought... I was told they, they're doing it in a wrap instead of in a bun. I had it in a wrap last time, but I mm-hmm. wanted something in a bun. Now, this yeah. isn't a bun, so I don't see why yeah. we couldn't make that leap. I say talk to Johnny about that. <laughs> okay, well, so the sandwich is called the Remus, mm-hmm. um, but your name is Artie Davis. Mm-hmm. Artie, tell us just a little bit about how you came up with that nom de grill. Well, started in college. I was writing doggerel, which I thought at the time was poetry. (laughs) (laughs) And I adopted the pen name Remus Powers, because I'd always liked Uncle Remus stories. And 
Powers was a mechanic at the shop where my dad worked. So I combined the two, and later I added the PHB when I got into barbecue. And this is the greatest story, I think, of one of the great ones. Uh, tell us how you got into barbecue. You were sitting, <laughs> yeah, sitting with in friends. The... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what got me started was the sauce contest, and that uh, I got the idea for that when I was alone. Uh, Gretchen and the kids were in Minnesota up in the cool weather. It was hot in Kansas City. So I was listening to Rye Cooter's uh, Paradise and Lunch and reading Jane and Michael Stern's book, Road Food, reading about all those great barbecue places and thinking, why can't I go there? Well, it was unrealistic at the time. So I thought, well, I could write to these places and get their sauce. If I'm going to go to that much trouble, I'll make it a contest called Diddy Wah Diddy because that's what Rye Cooter was singing at the time. <laughs> it's an old Blind Blake song. So I organized the contest, had it in the backyard patio. Lots of people. It's where I met Paul Kirk, Jessica Kirk. They were judges. And that got me connected to the whole barbecue network. Uh, this was 1984, 1986. Barbecue Society was founded. And thanks to Carolyn Wells and, and Gary Wells and Rick Welch. So I became a charter member. And it's been fun ever since. You said, sign me up. Yeah. I will I will do this. That's right. And so, Artie, you are in the Hall of Fame and sitting next to you, uh, also in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And one of the people who has actually launched competitive barbecue as we know it today, hmm. Carolyn Wells. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you, Jill. So, tell us a little bit about that story about how you started barbecue back in the 80s and made it what it is today. Well, we didn't start it, but we made it the best we could. There you go. The competitive circuit. (laughs) The competitive circuit. Um, Our friend Rick Welch and Gary and I were having an an adult beverage one evening, and (laughs) this topic came up, and we thought we should... um, start a club for these people and to do so was and we should start a club for these people and it's only rule that it should be that none of it was taken seriously and to do so was ground for grounds for eviction <laughs> so it started all in fun we had about 30 charter members and uh, we had no money but we had lots of enthusiasm and you know it's just it's all about food family fun and friends and barbecue people are the best people in the world. We do have some crazy uncles like everyone else, but it's <laughs> but they're very they're very giving and caring and helpful to each other. And we all um, so we we divided up uh, duties, and we all worked for free, and we were off and running. And fast forward thirty two years, and. We sanction about 500 contests worldwide, wow. have 20,000 members uh, worldwide. We've certified over 50,000 judges, thanks to Artie and Ed Royth, and, um, and some great instructors now, um, or some other great instructors now. And we, uh, we spread the gospel of barbecue far mm. and wide. I mean, Jill, if I had to ask you from your perspective, what do you think the Kansas City Barbecue Society has done to keep Kansas City firmly holding in that top notorious barbecue spot? You know what I mean? Well, first of all, the personalities, but second of all, uh, and the passion. But then then you have to have the rules, right? You have to figure out how you're going to run these contests. So I think the sanctioning... Um, aspect of of the competition has really been what has made it grow to the global level and now we're seeing a lot of restaurants um, coming off the competition circuit and our next generation of people and our next generation person here with us today is Megan Day of Burnt Finger and you may have seen her on TV and HSN did I get that right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, You've got a new platform to sell some of your 
barbecue wares, and you're still competing. We are still competing. So Very you're active. competing uh, at the American Royal. Yes, we are fortunate that we won a state championship this year, so we will be in the Invitational, which is select number of teams who are state champions get the opportunity to compete at the American Royal in an Invitational, and then the Open, which is anyone who's interested in competing with the um, hopes of becoming the the big time you know overall champion will be in that contest the next day. So we'll be doing a lot that weekend. So I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just going to ask ahead, Megan. Nancy. I was reading. You guys have already had some awesome success at the World Championship of Barbecue. Do you remember? I mean, there are hundreds of teams there. What was it like the first time that you got a ribbon, and what was that? So we are an anomaly. Because the hook was set deep early on, we decided, Burnt Finger Barbecue was a group of friends. They got together and decided we were going to do this and really see how good we were. We were going to have fun, but we wanted to know. And so the very first American Royal that we were fortunate to get in, because it's not easy to get in. So you, so we got in at the last minute and we turned in all of our entries had no idea how it was going to place. You know, there were over at that time, I mean, 500 probably competitors at that particular contest. And our brisket took fifth place. Wow. We ended up 38th out of over 500 teams in our very first American Royal. So we were like, whoa, okay, we're good. And this is going to be really expensive and fun <laughs> because now we're going to do a bunch of contests. But, you know, that was what was, you know, as Carolyn just mentioned, it, it was about the fun. And so here we are. We just were entering our 11th time into the American Royal. We And that was a fun discovery. Last year when we showed up, there was this really nice banner laying in our spot. And it was, you know, basically, congratulations, this is your 10th American Royal. We, had, we hadn't made that calculation. Oh, so wow. we didn't even realize it was our 10th one. So we're going into number 11 this year. Congratulations. Thank you Absolutely. very, very much. Yeah. Last year we were we were fortunate. We took ninth overall last year. So it was a it was a heck of a heck of a fun. We had no calls. So basically what that means is when you get a top, depending on what the host chooses to announce, top twenty, top ten, we got a call, which means the announcer tells the everyone in the audience what your placement is. And we got nothing in chicken. We Nothing in ribs. Didn't hear a name in pork. Didn't hear a name in brisket, which means we weren't in the top at that time. At that for that was top twenty. So we were feeling a little bummed. And then the overall came out, and they said ninth place, burnt finger barbecue. And we had kind of tuned it out at that point. And my husband Jason was with the kids because it's at the speedway. Was up towards the stairs completely away from the presentation stage and he heard our name and went running with our daughter over his head <laughs> and my little son just quickly speeding behind him going daddy what's going on and and he's like we won <laughs> and so it was that was a lot of joy and it reminded me very much of that very first time 11 years ago when we kind of had tuned out and thought well we weren't weren't top 20 this year and then they said our name and and the people behind us had to tap us on the shoulder and say they just they just said your name. You go down and get an award. <laughs> so to say that that thrill is what continues to hook us every year is to be able to know that what we put out is something that the judges enjoyed. And because we know it's good, but how does how is it going to perform that day with that judge? And that's the big variable, isn't it? Now, I've seen um, chefs from fine dining restaurants. Um, in fact, I know a crew that's going to be there. They've gone many years. And there's a lot of frustration because yeah. I think they think they're going to come in and win the whole contest. And um, what's the difference between cooking every day in a restaurant and uh, doing the weekend uh, we weekend warrior kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. So love and preparation is is going to be there because this is what our passion is. The details and everything you can do in one bite. So with when you're sitting down for a gourmet meal or a nice restaurant or, you know, just even the, the local diner, the whole thing is something that you eat, the entire experience. For a judge, they're going to take one bite of your food. 
They're going to look at your entry. So detail, you eat with your eyes first. How does it look? Does it jump off of that box, which is we turn it in on a green background. So either a a lettuce or a parsley or kale is typically what the teams will use to put that vibrant green background. And then that meat pops off of there, whether it's your ribs, how are they stacked? Are they messy? Did you put burnt ends in with your brisket slices? Did you not? Are you putting in pulled pork and sliced pork and medallions and, or are you just throwing in a pile of pork? So there are so many details that when you get into the competition side, you realize that judge has a split second to make that decision. So you have to be on your A game for every single bite and appearance and your texture really has to be spot on. You can't have mushy meat. It can't be underdone. So you really have to hit all three of those those points in order for the judges to then give you that score that leads you into the, the walk up to receive your award. And, you know, talking about the competition, this is not a one-day situation. When do you guys get there? How If nobody's been to the Royal, how long are these teams competing, you yeah. know? So if you're looking at procurement, we have been sourcing our products, our pellets, our making sure our smokers are clean so you don't get a dirty smoke. So all of that has been happening. I've been steaming the outside of our smoker to make sure that it looks good. Wow. I mean, gotta, you gotta look good to cook good. So... <laughs> You know, we <laughs> really, on a shirt. yeah, right. But <laughs> preparation and everything that goes along into that sourcing, we'll arrive on Wednesday and get settled into our spot, make sure all of our equipment is there. We'll pick up some last additional items, sauces, seasoning, um, meats, and the trimming will start probably on Tuesday, actually. So some of that will start to happen because you can take away from the meat. You just can't add anything to the meat. So we want to make sure the meat that we're getting does not have big gouges in it. We want to look it over and make sure what we're presenting and what we're cooking has the best opportunity from the very beginning before we even step foot into the contest. And then the contest itself, it depends on if you're someone who cooks hot and fast or if you're someone that cooks low and slow. So for us, we're a lower and slower team. So we'll fire up those pits in the evening of the the night before we actually turn in. And we need to come back to that fast and hot or low and slow. Mm-hmm. But before that, let's ask Artie, can you tell us a little bit about judging? Because you've done a lot of judging. What and you also give the oath. So well, what? I, yeah, what is the oath? What is the oath? And and how much do you? I've done this before. You have to eat a lot, but yeah. you've eaten more than I can even imagine over the years. <laughs> well, as Carolyn said, you, it's fun, but when you're judging, you have to take that seriously. And judges feel so much more official if they've taken an, an oath to do their best, basically. We appreciate that as a yeah. team. <laughs> we sure. do. Lots it of also, hard work also yeah. creates a sense of camaraderie among the judges. At the American Royal, you'll have more than 400 judges. They all stand, take the oath, then they're just one big family. And so how long have they been taking the oath, and when, when and how did you write well, this? <laughs> I started the oath when I started the sauce contest. And then, I don't know, how. what year was it, 87, 88, I don't know. The uh, Barbecue Society suggested that we use that for the meat contest and just adapt it from sauce to meat. Okay. Can you give us a little taste of this oath? (laughs) Do you want to take the oath? I'll take it right here. I won't choose it. Raise your hand, right? Yeah, I always say, if you can taste the difference between a mac rib sandwich and real barbecue, please stand, raise your right hand, repeat (laughs) after me. I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear to objectively and subjectively evaluate to objectively and subjectively evaluate each barbecue meat each barbecue meat that is presented that is presented to my eyes to my eyes my nose my nose and my palate and my palate also add hands <laughs> so that I accept my duty I accept my duty to be a 39th annual American Royal World Series of Barbecue judge be a 39th annual American Royal World Series of Barbecue Judge. So that truth, 
Isn't that true? Justice. Justice. Excellence in barbecue. Excellence in barbecue. And the American way of life. And the American way of life. May be strengthened and preserved forever. May be strengthened and preserved forever. Okay, then you're on your oath. And I have to say what what you're wearing while you're doing this, Mm because we don't have a visual, but a bowler hat, Mm -hmm. um, an apron with bones. Yeah, a butcher's apron. Mm -hmm. And I uh, have three bones representing my oral exams at the Grease House University, you know, ma- bachelor, master's, PHP. And I have a ceramic sauce spoon hanging there because I'm a sauce magnet. People are always asking me to taste their sauce. And usually I put some pins on. This year I'll have one commemorating the late Neil Patterson, as well as our lifetime membership in the KCBS and the official World Series barbecue pin. You are a sight for sore eyes at the, at the barbecue. <laughs> there are a lot of crazy outfits going yeah. on and interesting uh, get-ups, but but yours is is history. Yeah, for a shy person, it, <laughs> it's it was a challenge at first, but it's it's helped me not be shy. <laughs> the bowler when the bowler yeah. goes on, yeah, yeah, comes alive. The other guy. Takes over. <laughs> what is a PhB, by the way? That's a doctor of barbecue philosophy. Absolutely. You know, they were the original philosophers. When barbecue was first discovered, the uh, philosophers would sit around the campfire eating barbecue, talking about the meaning of life. That's where we got the expression, I have a bone to pick with you. Yeah. <laughs> As you can see, Artie's got the folk- folklore and history of barbecue <laughs> down to a T. We do appreciate that. You know, I wanted to talk to Carolyn about, I, this is my guilty confession, lifelong Kansas City and born and raised. And obviously I know about the Royal a little bit. I love barbecue. It's in my blood. But I had never been to the American Royal because I didn't have friends or family competing. And I didn't feel like I knew how to go. That's changed a little bit lately. But Carolyn, what would you tell people? You have to start somewhere. <laughs> it, the, the teams are not allowed to distribute samples to the uh, general public. That's against health department regulations. But the Royal has come up with some ways that they can sample food through their Pitmaster Row or the Budweiser Bash, Barbecue Bash, where they can go on a barbecue tour and sample foods from places around town. So they they can get some world-class championship barbecue at those venues. So now you can be a part of the atmosphere and the music and Yes, you don't you can you can join the party um just not the private parties. <laughs> <laughs> but not all of them are private and I will say I will be out at one where I'm emceeing and it's uh for a good cause it's for the B Headstrong Foundation Pork and Boots. And you can buy a ticket to that um, and come and hang out at the party if you want to. So um, part of it's corporate sponsorships and, you know, teams and friends. But there are a few out there doing some fundraising. So look for those if you really want to come out and experience the parties, which are fun. Uh, And it is the biggest party in the world on (laughs) Friday night. Yeah, a lot of smoke. Being blown there. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) In many ways, right? Yeah. We mean that as the double entendre that it is. Yes. (laughs) So, Carolyn, what else is new this year that people should know about? uh, We're out at the Speedway for the, maybe this is the third year? Third year at the Speedway, yes. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, the Royal has become, um, or the World Series of Barbecue, excuse me, we just colloquially call it the Royal it's uh, it's become a destination. So not only do they have the um, barbecue competition, they have the, the Invitational for major champions and the Open for everyone. They also have a lovely, lovely kids' queue, which is one of the largest in the country. And that's our next generation of cookers, and these kids are just so darn cute. It's unbelievable. I was out there last year, and it was just so cute. I can't believe I hadn't gone before. It was a couple hundred kids with their parents or whoever their sponsor might be. And they're all supervised, so they're not over-engaged. Uh, right. <laughs> there you go. That's the word. Not burning their fingers, I right. was going to say. <laughs> um, and they are just having the bla- a blast. And they really are taking themselves um, 
a little bit seriously, but not too seriously. I remember one little girl had her pig nose on and her um, chef's <laughs> cap, and she was, you know, oink, oinking all the way to the judge's table. Yes. Um, it was just darling. Megan, do you have small fry that are doing this one yet? or The little fingers, as we call them, um, are still just a little too little. So we okay. next year, our son will be um, able to compete, and he will. He has dabbled. Uh, we recently were at a barbecue contest, and they allowed him to do the kids' queue, and he just had a blast. The one differentiator is for the adults, we cannot do anything to mark our entry. So you don't decorate, you don't do anything. So the judges could say, oh, I know that that is so-and-so's entry. But for the kids, part of the enjoyment is that they get to decorate their box. And so my son had every superhero sticker on there and was, I mean, he just had a blast decorating the box and then he cooked a pork chop and it was excellent. And then our little girl, she just turned three and they gave her, they had a little bit of extra meat and so they gave some to her and said, do you want to participate? And so she did. And it was so adorable to watch her even get in there with the spices and her gloves were too big and patting it down. And uh, she was they didn't do anything to actually judge her, but they sure had a lot of fun with it. And they gave her a certificate for junior kids queue. So they are, they're already hooked. We're ready to go. And next year, I think will be our son's very first foray into the big world series of kids queue now can anybody be in kids queue carolyn or how do, or do you have to have a parent cooking in the contest how does that work no i think anybody can be in it they just it's the the logistics of getting in and out are a little bit harder um if you don't have a parent cooking in it but um, a parent or a grandparent i should say um but they i think it's open to all we actually have a, a young lady who is a um, honorary team member that has cooked the kids' queue a couple of years, and so she'll be out there again this year cooking on be- on behalf of Burnt Finger Barbecue. What fun! I bet they just love getting out there. They looked like they were having a blast yes. last year, and I they were out in the uh, plaza area, and all their little grills were out there, and they they had supervision, and they divided it by ages, I believe. There was the young kids and then the little bit older kids, and really, they just looked like they were having so much fun. It, they're, they're just darling, and they're our next generation of cooks. We also have a lot of international people coming, too. We do. And so, like, it's spreading around the world, this right. enthusiasm that the young people have for barbecue. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think that this year we have 22 um, international teams. Many of them are from Canada, but there's there uh, it's nine countries, I believe. So they have seen this on TV, seen documentaries. They've um, it, it, they've gotten the bug, and <laughs> um, and they want to do to cook like the Americans do. And so we have a, a great that. The IO team, we call them the International Outreach Team, and these there are six people that go around the world um, teaching cooking, teaching uh, CBJ certified barbecue judge classes, and teaching barbecue. So it's it's organically spread, just like the Barbecue Society did. We moved down the interstate, basically in every direction, and um, it's been a it's. It's just, it's a phenomena. These people are like we were twenty five years ago. They're, mm. It's not about the money. It's about the fun, the food, family, fun, and friends, the camaraderie, the lasting relationships you make, and about besting themselves when they cook. Do you find the international teams are they cooking? I was about to say Kansas City style or American style, but that's a whole other hard to define thing, right? They're they cooking. Getting, they're cooking competition style. Competition style. Mm. So, which is different from what you might do in your backyard. So, there it is. Megan was saying you're you've got to get it all done in one bite, and that bite is by six judges. Not the same bite, obviously, but they're <laughs> they're, um, they're they're you have a very short window of perfection in which to turn something in, and there's definitely a groove when by repeating practicing, cooking in competition. There are teams that compete like 30 weekends, 40 weekends a year. 
Are there any kind of like spices that you don't typically see from them or anything like that? You know what I mean? No, they're pretty homogenous now. They're it's it's they've they've learned to pick up on the profile and to emulate it. Plus, we've had a lot of people, renowned people, going over teaching them, and the and they've adopted their spice uh, rub or their flavor profile, one or the other. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of rules. Uh, Megan, that yes. you've kind of you've hinted at, but what are the most difficult ones, I think, to teach others about when maybe we're talking about an international team? Have you have you seen? Well, it's interesting. So with social media now and the higher profile that Jason, my husband, and I have have in the barbecue industry, we get a lot of questions. And so I have been helping a New Zealand team and an Australian team actually get coming into town. So they've asked me a lot of questions, and I'm really happy to help them understand that you know, if you can cook burnt ends, here's where you find that on the meat because the meats are, their butchers cut the meat different than even what we do in America. So helping them understand what that cut is so they can practice. And spices, they're in, they know these big competitors. They know they can internationally ship sauces and seasonings across. So they have honed in, as we said. That's why texture is so critical now because so many people have a very similar profile. It's about balance. You don't want cinnamon to stand out because there may be a judge that doesn't like cinnamon. So how can you make it be very tasty, balanced, perfect texture and that look? So for instance, the garnishing, making sure they understand the vegetation that's in America that they can choose from and because that's something that can ding them. Uh, We are blind judging. So as I mentioned before, nothing to differentiate you. You can't pull your sauce in a corner or put a marking on something so that there might be the indication that a judge would know how to pick out your food compared to somebody else's. So just making sure that they understand those rules. They had a lot of questions about what was considered pre, oh, when they when they come around and check your meat, what inspection, inspection. Questions about inspection or do we have to have a fire extinguisher? Do we have to have certain, you know, gloves and um, bleach bucket? They had lots of questions about those types of, of you know, rules and, and things that we um, really for us, the inspection is the meat to make sure that you're not doing anything to the meat that is enhancing it beyond until they have looked at it and make sure that it's um, approved. How do they get all of their equipment here? Do they buy it when they get here or do they ship it? Most of them, some of them ship, but most of them do work with other teams and dealers um, in the community that are, you know, like I said, I'm dropping off one smoker for one team and I've been picking up meat for another team and having, letting them use my address to have some things delivered. So people really reach out. I mean, it's a family. So, and I hope someday when we travel that there's someone who would reach out and help us as well. And I feel like the, Smoker is almost like a musical instrument yes. for a musician, right? Yes. It's very personal. Yes. What, what about yours? Can you tell us? So it really there's for our, for us it's a it's a cook shack. It's a pellet smoker. We love the precision that pellets can give on cooking that meat to the precise temperature. We have also gauges that we put into our meat that cloud based um, so that we can see the temperature. From anywhere that we are, we can sit in the trailer or we can be talking with friends down the road and know exactly where our meat is on the temperature scale. So those things are, but at the same time, everybody kind of starts dabbling with something that's maybe just even a Weber Smoky Mountain or Weber Grill and just cooking offset. So you understand the principle of where the smoke application and where your heat source is. So for instance, these, these guys that are coming in and cooking on one of our other smokers, you know, they're trying to figure out the heat source. So one of the things that they'll do when when they get it is they'll put just raw biscuits on the smoker and light it and then they can see where the hot spots are in that particular smoker. So because depending on how fast that dough rises for those biscuits, so they'll know where the hot spots are because it'll be a a smoker they've never cooked on before. So there's little tricks and tips that pitmasters kind of know in order to understand some equipment because you can find yourself in a situation where you have to borrow somebody's piece um, and so you really need to understand why you're cooking. That is fascinating. What happens to the smoky biscuits? I'm instantly concerned. <laughs> I volunteer. I think, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what the team name is. I bet you can pop in on Wednesday when they're when they're testing it can out. You imagine the biscuits and gravy with those. That's biscuits? right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, also, Megan, let's talk about uh, last year. I realized that 
people are really going towards hot and fast mm. cooking in the, uh, what, I guess the drum cookers. Yes. Um, but there's always been drum cookers around. What, what was interesting about this is that they're vertical instead of horizontal. Correct. And so that's creating a vortex um, that's cooking foods a lot faster. And for years and years and years, um, you know, we've been saying, Low and slow is Kansas City barbecue, and that's kind of changing. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing out there in the competition circuit. Well, I'd love to hear the other professionals' opinion as well, but from my perspective, the low and slow is still Kansas City. But competition is about the flavor and that impact. And if you think about searing a steak and you get that hot, beautiful crust on something – that's what a lot of these, we call them the can cookers, the hot and fast guys are adding an element of char mm. with that heat that is just one more layer in competition barbecue that someone like us who is a lower and slower is, is not going to be able to achieve. Um, so, and it's winning. It's doing very, very well. People love the flavor of char. You can't get that in a bottle. So they're finding ways to do that. And that's where the competition has taken off for a lot of those teams. But what's fascinating is we, we will still beat can cookers because not every judge loves that flavor. Mm. So it's a gamble a little bit. You're choosing your style and you hope you have the right food to the right judge on the right day. <laughs> how are the judges picked every year and how many are there? They sign up on a first come first serve basis. Okay. They, um, we use, we have a thing called master judges and we use master judges to judge the invitational. Um, and it, but all certified judges are used for both contests unless there's some no shows that get plugged in. It's all about getting the job done. Um, but it, it's highly competitive and it's, um, there, a master judge has a minimum of 30 contests. We have now judges who are on their, in their 200 range of contests. Wow. That's a lot of weekends. That is barbecue. A lot. Yeah. Artie, you have uh, somebody coming from your family, correct? Who's going to be yeah, my, learning the next, my the next generation? He's certified, oh. <laughs> certified, and it's his first time to judge at the Royal. So. And he's I judged sides last year. But. He's a KU freshman, so this yep. starts pretty early pretty in life, <laughs> which I think is wonderful the way everyone is passing mm-hmm. passing the torch. We actually have three generations and lots of teams. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. It is. A, again, it's it's a very familial sport, and um, it, and it, we try to be as kid-friendly as we can, and but we also um, appeal try to appeal to all age groups when they might be being distracted with other uh, uh, pursuits like college. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, how the American Royal is, is the granddaddy barbecue competition of the year, but h- how do we differ, how do we stand out from other competitions around the country, Carolyn? Well, in, in the barbecue world, there are... There are four, or well, there's that. There's actually three megas, and then the Jack. Um, so there's the uh, Memphis and May, which is the undisputed World Pork Barbecue Championship, which is whole hog shoulder and ribs. And the site, it, the judging is done. Well, it's now done blind. It was done blind and on site before, and they've recently changed that. Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, which is in February, um, and, which is a very, very large contest, big corporate. Um, you have to cook, I think, 700 pounds of meat to even be able to enter because that's, that they're expecting you to, to cook that and they'll do with it as they please, which probably means sampling to the public. But... Uh, um, I don't know. You were there. Did they sample the public already? You have to be invited to the private party tents, and those are huge tents, and the food is incredible. Mm. Yeah. Then yeah. the Royal is the uh, is the world's largest barbecue championship, and it is called the World Series of Barbecue. And it's um, it, it's again, it's the Royal has become a destination because they've got the invitational, the open, the kids queue, three dish side dish contest, dessert contest, and some other little side contests that are uh, pretty well attended. Like last year was turkey, and and they always have a sauce contest with it, and and it's got a barbecue expo. So it's just something that people started coming to and looking for. 
um, and and putting on their calendars and and uh, and we had some calendar challenges, but now we think Dave Royal is back on track and is going to stick with this weekend. And it there it, it is it is a it is a destination. The Jack is much more limited. It's another contest that we do, which is actually not a sanctioned contest, um, but it's KCBS. Um, adjudicated um, that is in Lynchburg, Tennessee in October and that's another one but it's very hard to get in because the space is so limited so there's a big four or big three however you want to look at it that, yeah and I understand uh, Megan you went to the Jack uh, tell it's us going this year yeah, yeah. so going again this yeah, year so oh, yeah. thank you so I was very fortunate to be asked to be a judge of the Jack Daniels, which is an invitation-only barbecue contest. So there are certain parameters that in order to get invited. And it's a it's a really big deal. It's the best cooks in the country. And it is a chance to eat food from, I mean, just really some of the best. But very, very limited. As well as it's at the Jack Daniels Distillery. So there's lots of wow. um, tradition involved. And so I was very fortunate to see both of these two at the at in the judge's tent and around. But this year, we were fortunate enough that we were invited to compete. So we will be competing in the Jack. So this is a huge bucket list. This was gen- like genuinely the one that you pine for from the perspective of when you've done some of the other ones, you want the one that is the elusive hard to get. And so being able to be good and then be lucky enough to be chosen to get to compete. So we're, we're super excited for that. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Well, and we were, we were very blessed. Also, we, we had the opportunity to compete in Memphis in May. So this year during the season, we'll hit Memphis in May, the American Royal and the Jack Daniels. So we're, Going for the going for number four. We hope we you know have the opportunity to you know be Houston's in the in the in the bucket list too. You've got it pretty much wrapped up. I tell you though, a lot of people think they can have the kind of success that you've had. Hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about some of that success, starting maybe with the bacon explosion going viral um, on the internet, and and how realistic is it for somebody to yeah. think that they can make barbecue not only their uh, weekend passion but maybe their weekday profession yeah so it it, we are very fortunate luck i'll take luck right because (laughs) jason with this group of friends when we realized how it how just we were so hooked on wanting to do competitions and we knew that it was going to take some money to do that so we decided to start a, a website and this was you know like a decade ago so social media what didn't have the grip that it has now and Jason came up with something called the bacon explosion, which is bacon wrap, bacon stuffed sausage. And that recipe went viral, was the most downloaded recipe in the history of the internet. You it's, broke it. Yeah, you we broke, broke the internet, the internet um, <laughs> which then led to a New York Times article. And that led into a whole tour through CNN, Fox and Friends, uh, Good Morning America, the Today Show, everybody was really reporting on it, which led to a cookbook deal. So you can see these things just kind of happen. Well, that cookbook, that's where the work came in because that cookbook was then named the World Best Barbecue Cookbook by the World um, Gourmand um, Cookbook Awards. So, you know, you you say this, these were lucky things, but then we had to take it to the next level and put the work in. And so from that point forward, we knew we had an audience. People wanted sauces and seasonings. They wanted to eat the bacon explosion. So we were able to monetize that throughout the years. And I watched it kind of in the backseat with my career and having children and Then one day I just looked at my husband and I said, you know, I think we're ready to take this to the next level and I'd like to do that, but I need to quit my corporate job in order to really take that on because we had to go full in. And so two and a half years ago, I did that. And there's a vibe that I put out there apparently because (laughs) all of a sudden here comes um, Food Network's Chopped called and asked me to compete on Chopped. Again, I had the opportunity and then I, and I won. So again, I put the work in and it has helped separate and be the differentiator in that. And from that point, the Today Show has called me back several times to come in and we've been able to monetize it into now we have a line of meat that we just launched last month 
on HSN. So now you can buy our barbecue on the Home Shopping Network on that platform. And we have bigger talks in, in the works of how to continue to get our passion to that next level of making sure we have the pedigree of Kansas City and our competition flavor profiles. But how can we translate that into a product that can be shipped across state lines and working with the right facilities? So it is realistic. You really have to go all in with that and and choose that that's what your profession is going to be if you want to take it to that next level. But having a sauce and getting it made at a facility, as Carolyn said, you just got to start somewhere. You know, try it. Your friends and family are going to enjoy it. And you may see that next thing you know, a caterer wants to pick it up or a restaurant wants to pick it up. So you just have to kind of put it out there and do the work. Was this something you guys were just as a family before you started competing? Did he grow up barbecuing? Did you grow up barbecuing with family or cooking? Like, how did that, where did the base skill set come from? Yeah. You know, Jason did. And actually, the, this story ties back to Carolyn's um, Gary. So um, Jason's dad and Gary worked together. Is that, mm-hmm. do you remember? They, they, they worked together. And so Jason's dad came home with some spices and said these were from, um, Gary Wells. Mm. And it was a big deal that Jason got these spices from this amazing barbecue um, icon. Mm. And from that point forward, Jason wanted to know what was in a spice and how could he make his own spices and how could he do his own. And so when he went to college, he got a smoker. Everybody else got, you know, (laughs) a, a Nintendo or whatever the hot gaming thing was. He got a smoker and he started smoking for all of his friends and family. And when he and I started dating, I knew his barbecue was special because I didn't always like ribs, but I'd never had ribs so good in my entire life. And I said, you've got something here. So it just kind of started from there. And I've watched him over the years and soaked up and I would do some of the ancillary competitions such as dessert and had really good success with that in the sides. And next thing I know, I wanted to kind of start dabbling with meats and going in kind of more on the competition side. So about 2012 is when I really started taking a much bigger role in the competition team and being able to, to really understand why the meat did what it did, not just the going through the motions of a recipe, but really understanding the science behind it. And I think both of us have a passion for just understanding and always learning. And we love to see smiles on people's faces when they eat our food. And I think we share that. And so watch out. I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to see those smiles. Oh, that's awesome. Carolyn and Artie, what would you say to Kansas City? What do you need from people who might not typically go to the Royal to invest in what's happening there? Well, I think that the Royal is a, a um, it's a Kansas City tradition, and they're really missing something if they don't come out and and take a look. And, if, and I think they'll change their minds and fall in love with it. It can be a little o- overwhelming to see all those teams and all that, all that's going on, but they do have an app now. You just go to the App Store, American Royal Barbecue. It has, it'll tell you how to get to any team you're interested in. Oh, cool. I would recommend the Barbecue Shogun team from Japan. They're very hospitable. They, they teamed up with a Japanese rancher in Texas who raises a Wagyu uh, cattle. Oh, wow. And I'm amazed they haven't won. Oh, I, also, uh, Mike's granddaughter, the, a little Japanese girl, won. The kids cute two oh, years great. ago. That's great. Awesome. Yes. I met her. Yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah, she and her English is so good. Yes. And this year you have the rare opportunity to meet Tootsie Tominets from Lexington, Texas. She's always open just one day a week. That's Saturday in Lexington, Snow's Barbecue. They're closing it this year so they can induct her into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. She is a trip to, to meet just a very sweet lady, excellent cook. Duffy Stone also being inducted. He's one of the, the guys that is a chef and has been very successful. He, he learned fast how to do competition barbecue. He's the one professor. That, he's the one won the jack twice. Oh, my goodness. So and they're all going to be in Kansas City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So look them up. Get and a the hug. third one is Charlie Virgos from, yeah. from the Rendezvous. From the Rendezvous. And he's in Memphis. I think Nick and some of the family will be there to 
to accept it for Charlie. Well, not that we want to say that we're the best, but Kansas City <laughs> is the best, and we welcome all these people. But what is it about Kansas City barbecue and the Jack that ultimately um, set us apart? I don't the know. passion. It, it's the passion for the product. That, yeah. And, you know, Kansas City is the melting pot of barbecue. And if you have to ask 10 Kansas Cityans, what is Kansas City Barbecue? They'll give you 10 different answers, and they're all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's true in Memphis. You can start an argument over what, who has the best barbecue. We have old school. We have African-American original old school. We have uh, chef-driven. We have competition style. So and it's all good. And continuing to change, mm-hmm. I feel like, too, like we are mm-hmm. talking about. Mm. And if you're a home cook... I highly recommend Artie's various books. Also, if you're touring during this time and you you need a guide to the restaurants in town, you have several several books with recipes and guides to barbecue. Yeah, and it's such a moving target, you know. Places open and then close, or they move, and so this is why Artie and I have updated. to go to lunch all the time. And <laughs> I uh, on social media, I hashtag them. Barbecue BFF. <laughs> We're out for lunch again with my yeah. barbecue BFF. So, Artie, is there a new place that's caught your eye or newish? Well, newish. I'm a big fan of Slaps. It's fairly new. Yes. And I recently discovered Back Porch has moved to uh, Adams Mark uh, Sports Bar Casey's. I just happened to run into the co owner at the Restaurant Depot. Uh, Blind Box, I guess, and and, uh, and Shawnee. And they, yeah, Shawnee. They've recently remodeled. Is what I've told. What I'm told, they haven't been there since they remodeled. And we've been know. to Scott's Barbecue yeah, Kitchen Scott's. recently. Yes. Also, yeah, that's great. Pullman. Uh, yeah, Pullman, right? And then uh, Jazzy Jazzy B. Jazzy B. He moved from food truck to a regular restaurant in Lee Summit. In Lee Summit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. It, we, we are blessed with the plethora mm-hmm. in this town, right? <laughs> I think more than 100, right? Mm-hmm. That's the number. So, sure. And then that doesn't count all those people in the backyard. Right. <laughs> That's right. I think Visit Kansas City is working on an app to guide everyone around town. and You can get points for... Each restaurant Badges. that you visit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It'll be out in October, they told me. So mm-hmm. kind of missing the Royal a little bit, but yep. uh, something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Well, all of you, thank you so much for coming and uh, talking barbecue with us and the American Royal. Megan, are you, uh, you going to be able to help this one here? Yes, when absolutely. When she comes out? Okay. <laughs> I'm on out. Wait, I cannot yes. wait. <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay needs to dive in. Wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I think I can help you out with pork and boots too. Oh, the Kansas City Institution, the World Series of Barbecue. We thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thank you for yeah. having us. And thank you. Yeah.